I'm here to tell you all that life as you know it has ended. You might as well all go to town tonight. You might as well laugh and make fools of yourself. Rub your pathetic little peckers up against your honey or, or stick in the knot holding the fence. But whatever it is, get rid of it because at 0600 tomorrow, your ass is mine. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 222, and today we're going to be talking about Heartbreak Ridge. This great fantastic film stars the legendary Clint Eastwood, Everett McGill, Mario Van Peebles, and Marsha Mason. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Did you just hump the... Neighbor's dog, Steve, or are you always that slack-eyed and silly in the evening? <laughs> yeah, I just went home with, I just pumped the neighbor's cat look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well, uh, folks, the uh, our other two uh, uh, co-hosts of the show, uh, Ken and Jeff, not sure where they're at right now. I think Ken is out probably, um, I think he's at the Brass Ring. He's doing Ken things. Yeah, which is not a strip club. So he may be showing up a little bit later, as is Jeff, who was supposed to be here tonight, but, you know, he's got a small civilization that he's trying to run. So, you know, one of his his little minions is probably uh, taking up much of his time, but they may pop in a little bit later. But anyway, we are here to talk about Heartbreak Ridge. And this is a, gosh, what was this, 1986, I think. 8687. Is 8687? Okay, I got I'm have to I have to pull it up. It was about the 83 Grenada invasions what it was about though. Right, so. right. And um, yeah, I distinctly remember that too because it was I was in high school. I think I was like a I think I was a sophomore in high school when that came out. Uh, or when or when the heart uh, not when it, when the movie came out, but when we actually invaded Grenada. Um, if you can call it invasion. It was like a speck island somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But anyway, yeah, it was, oh, 86, that's when the movie came out. So basically three years after, uh, you know, the actual invasion. So anyway, we yeah, talked about things wrong because of that. There's a, actually an interesting scene about something that got wrong, but we'll, we'll go to that later. Okay, cool. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, we, uh, we, we talked about doing this one. This is, um, and actually, and I have to apologize. We were supposed to have one of our special guest stars on the show tonight, but for some bizarre reason, Skype, being what Skype is, um, I was having some difficulty uh, getting him connected. So we may have a special guest star for the next show. But uh, in any event, uh, we're going to be talking about um, Heartbreak Ridge. And um, I do have a special treat, guys. Or Brian, since there's no other guys here. <laughs> since there's no other guys here, we... Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, let's see. What do we got here? We've got, well, wait a minute. Ken said he goes, he's at a Mexican cowboy party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure he is. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even want to know what the hell's going on there. A Mexican cowboy yeah. party. All he said is, have fun. I might be there at the end. Okay. <laughs> Famous last words. Okay. There you go. That, well, catching up with Ken on the next show should be very interesting. So anyway, 
Um, we're going to talk about this great and fantastic film, but, uh, guys or Brian, I got a special treat and gosh, this, I, I wish the other two were here for this, but what, what the hell? Uh, so brace yourselves. The official man cave movie intro to this great and fantastic film. A hard-nosed, hard-living Marine gunnery sergeant clashes with his superiors and his ex-wife as he takes command of a spoiled recon platoon with a bad attitude. Well, 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 well. I'm here to tell you that life as you knew it has ended. Y'all may as well go into town tonight. You may as well laugh and make fools out of yourselves. Rub your pathetic little peckers against your honeys or stick it in a knothole in the fence. But whatever it is, get rid of it. Because I'm out of retirement and starting today, your ass is mine. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you hope you like that. Nice. Um, it took it took every bit of uh, cajoling and bribery and whatnot to get Deb to actually um, do that clip because when she read it, she was uh, adamant that she wasn't going to do it. But anyway, I talked her into it, so there you go. That's that's the kind of wife I have. So well, thank <laughs> God bless her. I mean, honestly, though, if you're going to read about anything out of this movie, it's going to be blue, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's this is. Uh, I actually had to cut out quite a bit of stuff because I'm like, ah, you know what? This probably worked in 86, but it sure as hell ain't going to fly now. Again, it was different time. This is, you know, we're talking shit. We're talking what? 30, 32 years ago, right? Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh shit. I've been on a good Lord. I've been on high school for 32 years, man. That's, that's a frightening concept for me to, to to grasp. But anyway, Mm. uh, so again, there's, there's language that's used in this that uh, I didn't bleep out. I actually I didn't bleep anything out of this because you know what the hell. You know we're we're getting to the point. We're adults. We can handle it, and um, you know we're not a bunch of um, you know snowflakes around here. So we will be talking about kind of a rough movie in terms of language. But I would say Brian, you would you would have to agree. I mean, this is kind of one of those typical rah rah movies that they were making. You know, uh, back in the eighties. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, heavy patriotism. You know, these were the Reagan years. So there, yeah. was, there was, there was a lot of that going on and it, and, and it's good stuff. I mean, it's, you know, the, you know, the country after Vietnam was going through a lot of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of malaise. There was a lot of, you know, ah, this place sucks, whatever. And, and, and part of this was, I think this was actually to kind of, you know, boost spirits and, you know, get the country back on track. So. And this is uh, this is a Clint Eastwood directed movie. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is one of the ones that he actually did direct. So, El Paso, so I'm assuming he directed because that's his company. <clears throat> yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, so he did direct and star in this movie. So, um, but like you said, this is pretty much about a uh, a you know it's it's a it's about a marine who he's he's a lifer. You know, he has been in this thing for a long time and he is, he's basically at the twilight of his career. And the guy is basically nothing more than a warrior. That's, that's all he is. He doesn't know anything else. And, and I think the, uh, what you're looking at here is he, he wants to go out. He wants to retire, 
doing what he does best. And it's not doing like supply and logistics or working in a warehouse or, or doing, he wants to lead a combat unit. Um, he doesn't want to be a quartermaster. Yeah. He doesn't want to be a quarterback. He just basically wants to go out. This is what I started it. This is how I want to finish it. And, you know, you can kind of see where he is the, uh, they talk about it, in, you know, in the show, it's like, you know, he's a relic. He's a, a, a piece of, uh, a piece of history. And well, yeah, I mean, not just that. I mean, you know, you know, Heartbreak Ridge was actually, I think, real. And that would have happened 31 years before this happened. And he's just a gunnery sergeant. So the right. guy has been up and down and up and down, no doubt. He's been promoted and he's been, you know, because, you know, he's, you know, you just know he is a warrior. He's got no war to fight, really, what it amounts to. And so he, he has problems with authority and everybody else. Uh, and, you know, he'd be a sergeant major like his buddy would be, you know, if he, if he'd followed the, his progression. Right. But, that ain't happen. Yeah, because it's kind of like that scene in the beginning when you know he's being hauled up before the judge because he, you know, he got in trouble. He got in trouble for being drunk and disorderly, and you know, and the judge said, you know, just because there's not a war going on doesn't mean you get to start one every time you have a few beers. You know, and it's just this is, and, and it's funny too because there's that one, <coughs> excuse me, there is that one scene which I thought was kind of poignant when. Uh, Major Powell, who is, you know, you'll find out about him later in the show. Well, I'm sure most of the guys that listen to this podcast know about Major Powell, but he made a comment. He says, you know, you're the type of Marine that they put, have to put in a big glass cage with a sign that says break in the event of war. Mm-hmm. And that's when you let this guy out. And, you know, cause I mean, he's basically highways kind of like the pit bull. You know, he, you love this guy when he's in your backyard keeping everybody on their toes, but you sure as hell don't want him lo- jumping over the fence and getting out. He, he ain't made for polite society. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but again, this movie, again, 1986. And honestly, I thought it was, I thought it was actually later than that. For some reason, I kept thinking it was like, it was like 89 or 90 or something like that, but I forgot. Yeah. So this actually was, uh, this movie was made when I graduated. From high school, East, Eastwood was fifty six years old when this movie was made. Now, just 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 as a note, that dude was he Eastwood has always taken really good care of himself. Yeah. I mean, he runs, he doesn't smoke, he drinks very modestly. I think beer, a little beer, and that's about it. Um, and he's always been kind of a fitness nut before there was a fitness nut. And uh, you know, he's he's a sturdy he's a sturdy looking fifty six year old dude. I mean, because that's his actual age when he did this movie. Right. So it's pretty amazing when you think about it. I mean, uh, yeah, but it's, it's, again, this was before people really were starting to, you know, people weren't really taking care of themselves back in 1960 when he got his start doing, you know, the giant tarantula and stuff like that or when he was doing rawhide. I mean, but he always has. I mean, it's just kind of the way he's been. Um, it makes you wonder about the guy in terms of, you know, did he, did he always have this vision of this is what he was going to be and that's why he takes such good care of God, the guy's 87 years old now. I mean, just mm-hmm. think about that. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's a, well, his career is amazing and we'll no doubt get into that again, but right. But the, the movie though, um, you know, the major who is, uh, uh, Oh God, Everett, Everett McGill, McGill yeah. I think played, played that role. And, um, I was thinking him as Stilgar in the original Dune, by the way, if anybody remembers that. Yep. But, um, he, uh, he, he keeps citing it. He goes, 
you guys are 0-1-1. And, and you talked about this movie being, you know, a little bit of that. You know, you know they're coming out of Korea, which they, you know, he considered a tie Vietnam, which he considered loss. And, uh, and uh, so one of the, one of the comments I've seen about this movie as compared to more recent movies is that it was the last, one of the last of the kind of classical world war old military movies, almost a world war two movies where you take a company or a platoon of misfits and you know, they become something special. Right. And uh, that formula is not generally followed so much in military movies. You see it a shit ton in sports movies, frankly, uh, that are out, but you don't see it in military movies. But, but honestly, you don't see that many military movies like this, frankly, anyway. Uh, obviously, they're exceptions, but they're not—they're not like they used to be, where you know every week there was ten of them coming out. When we were kids growing up. Well, I think one of the reasons that you don't see, like you said, the military misfit movies, because when you think about it. And again, I, I've never served, full disclosure, for anybody who's been on that. I'm a, I'm a big military history buff and everything. I mean, I uh, I mean, I think I know a lot about the military in terms of just operations and stuff like that. But obviously, I've never, I've never served. I, I've never been in combat. Um, um, I've actually dodged bullets driving through Gary, Indiana. So if that counts, there you go. But anyway... <laughs> That being so said, everybody up there. Yeah, I think everybody else. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm nothing special. But that being said, um, I, I think they do like with this movie. I think they do take some liberties in the sense of, and and again, if anybody's out there has ever served, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a very hard time thinking that what you saw, like when you know when when highway comes up. And these guys are just, you know, they're drinking beer. They're, they basically are just doing whatever they want to do. It's maybe, a party. Yeah, maybe that's kind of what's going on. I don't know. I I personally have a hard time believing maybe that was going on. Maybe that was going on maybe at that time because I know morale and, and, and life in the military from what I've been told from people that were in there, you know, morale was pretty shitty. Um. You know, like in the, you know, during the seventies and the early eighties before Reagan got in. And, you know, maybe, maybe this was, this is what things were like. I have no idea. I, I have to think that this movie took some liberties with that. I have to think that, um, you know, no, no private is going to, I don't care how big you are, like the Swede that you're going to take a shot at your no, sergeant. I mean, Okay, I just got out of the brig. Now I'm going back to the brig. Okay, I don't. It, it, part of that, and I, and again, I think is for the for the movie's sake, but I just don't. Um, I, I think they kind of play. You know, they 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 took a lot of liberties with this. Um, well, I, I, these guys were the island of misfit toys, man. I mean, they oh yeah, were, and, and and you're right. First off, I mean, this is post boot camp. You know, so none of these guys would have survived boot camp. I mean, because I don't think this is boot camp. They're they're assigned. They're I mean, no, it isn't boot camp. I mean, they're already assigned, and they would not have made it out of boot camp being this big of a bunch of screw ups. And in the worst case, they'd have probably spread them around a little bit. They wouldn't put a whole freaking bunch of them in a recon platoon, which is a little another thing that's a little confusing to me. I mean, Marine recon is basically Marine recon battalions, at least, are the equivalent of Marine special forces. Army, um, yeah, yeah, ba- now, yeah, exactly. 
it was confusing to me, like, okay, wait a minute, was this just a, a platoon that was specifically for recon as part of a normal Marine uh, company, battalion? You know, I, I was a little confused about that, because if, the, if these guys are real recon guys, they are freaking gung-ho, you know, they are Army Ranger plus, you know, type guys. Uh, I'm going to piss the Army guys off, I'm sorry. But I mean, <laughs> but they're they're quality, I mean, they're quality troops, you know, they're leading the way. They are pathfinders, literally. Um, and uh, there's no way in hell that they could be this big a bunch of screw-ups. And if it's a unit designated as, as recon, they would be your elite guys. They wouldn't be the guys you just go piss on and beat up and, you know, you know, your throwaway unit. They'd hardly be that. So right. that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I, and again, there are a lot of things that, you know, a good friend of mine who's an ex-Marine, you know, you know, kind of poo-poos the movie a bit and, you know, probably with good reason, uh, you know, enjoys it, but it, but, uh, but, you know, these guys would not exist, in my personal opinion. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that was it. You know, part of this whole thing, like you said, was it's kind of the trope of, you know, we're, we're going to go to the island of misfit toys and, um, you know, we're going to rebuild these guys. Well, mm-hmm. these guys should have never needed rebuilding. I mean, they, right. I mean, everything that I've learned about, like you said, I mean, I'm assuming when they talk about Marine recon, they're talking about force recon. The, this mm-hmm. is the Marine special forces group. You know, these guys don't need to be rebuilt. They should already, I mean, those guys, from what I've always understood, they're in constant training, uh, in one form or another, whether it's in the classroom or it's on the field. So they're not just, they're not sitting in their, in their freaking barracks, you know, drinking, piss water like they were and playing pool and i don't know it just and again that's that's the whole part of this movie that you know kind of takes you out of it a little bit but it, it sets up the whole story i mean which well, i in the other part of it he keeps talking about the platoon i mean <laughs> except on a few runs and like you know i never counted more than 10 guys and i'm going like that's like a squad that's like that's not a platoon now again yeah. There were times when they were running where you saw more guys than that, but most of the time you just saw 10 guys. You didn't see another 20 or 30, and that ain't a platoon, folks. I mean, it's yeah. not. Uh, so that was a little, that threw me a little bit too. And I, I've heard, I've read, did some reading where, you know, Marine guys are kind of chuckle at that because, you know, but again, you, you, Band of Brothers was able to do, you know, I mean, can you do something about a whole unit? You sure can. It's been done, you know, but, but, you know, it was definitely focused on like 10 screw ups. Um, and they were called a platoon. Right. Um, that said, I liked it. I mean, Eastwood, uh, I don't think Eastwood had done a military movie since, uh, I think he did Kelly's Heroes in, what, 69 or 70, 71. Then he did uh, Where Eagles Dare. Yep. Around that same era, but he hadn't done a he hadn't done a military movie, to my knowledge. Yeah, and Eagles Dare. And hasn't Dare. done one since. Yeah, and Eagle, he's been. yeah, we've done both. We did Kelly's Heroes, we did Eagles Dare, and those are... Those are 70s. I, I, I think those are from the 70s. I, I think right at 70, 71. Yeah. Uh, Eagles Dare throws me a little bit because I, that could be a late 60s movie. But Kelly's, well, shit, it was all around 70, 71. I mean, uh, they got that Hank Williams, uh, All for the Love of Sunshine, where they're coming out of the railroad. Uh, that, Kelly's, Her- Kelly's Heroes is definitely the 70s. Um, Eagles okay. Dare, you might be right. Oh, yeah, Eagles Dare, 68. Holy shit. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Shit, I was a year old. <laughs> Well, because Burton wasn't 
Burton was starting to get up there by that time in terms of age. And right. I think by the seventies, he was looking pretty freaking ragged. I mean, he, you know, the booze is starting to work on him pretty hard. Um, so it had been hard to put Burton out there. Although shit, he did it. What, what am I talking about? He what wild geese was 77, 78. So I guess, he, but he was playing a, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't playing a freaking, you know, Hellraiser. Well, I guess he was a Hellraiser now, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a frontline guy. He was a, Colonel or in that movie, as I recall. Yeah. The, um, so one of the things that little side things, like there was a point in time when uh, Gunny highway got pissed at, uh, and people's character, you know, for basically not wearing the right helmet. Uh, he traded in his Kevlar. He's wearing a steel pot. Yep. Uh, from what, actually from what I read, they were still wearing steel pots in Grenada. Actually. They didn't. They didn't go to the Kevlar until like '86 when this movie was made. Oh, so really? So that was a l- little mistake in the movie. Oh, okay, interesting. I yeah, wasn't, again, I, I read that. I, I can't. I didn't do much more research than that, but I think that may, may be close to accurate. Yeah, and you know, and the thing of it yeah, is, I could not remember when they switched over. And I remember, actually, I remember when they switched over to the Kevlar. That was like a big. Uh, there was a little bit of a controversy about uh, those helmets. Because they said we were adopting the uh, the Nazi helmets. Oh, because of the way the configuration. Yeah. Helmet. Well, it's, yeah. well, part of it is because, like, well, like it or not, <laughs> they offered the best protection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, you, you're right. I mean, the the Reagan era. I mean, the, the the army coming out of the Vietnam era was was severely. Uh, the word depressed is not a good choice of words, but it was. Uh, Morale was down, and it had not been a good thing overall for the for the army. Bear in mind that that's an army that that uh, that was not a volunteer army. And then I think around the time of Reagan, that's a vol- that's a volunteer force. Uh, there was a lot of patriotism at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think everybody wanted to portray the military in as good a light as possible. Even though this movie arguably did not, uh, at least you know it was with that unit. Uh, but morale was much higher in the eighties. And I, you know, I think as a, as a fighting force, uh, you know, a lot of the newer equipment and technology started to come, come in about that time. Um, and, you know, so you see it, you know, you, you, you see it now, you know, throughout. Um, and, and, and one, actually one other thing is, is you, I talked about how they not made a movie like this where you had a bunch of misfits and they're not making many military movies. I mean, you think about the newer military movies that come out. First off, a lot of them are about more of elite forces to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have a lot of stuff out there that's just about the regular grunt. And when you do, it's usually a movie that's frankly, um, you know, n- n- intentionally not portraying the military in the best view. But but typically, most of the movies are arguably as patriotic as anything else. And they but they don't show them as being potentially screw ups in some fashion. So you can make an argument that with the military movies that come out that aren't intended to be kind of hit jobs in the military are arguably more patriotic than some of the movies, you know, certainly in the movies in the seventies. I mean, shit, Kelly's hero is not a particularly patriotic movie. You think about it, but that, that was about counterculture movies. You can imagine. Well, I think that's it. I mean, you, uh, when you look at a lot of the movies, obviously during, um, world war two, you know, the movies made back then were, you know, were clearly, you know, meant to stir up the patriotism, uh, were, you know, meant to get people, you know, behind the war effort after Vietnam, I, I think the, you know, the mentality and the, uh, the, the view of, of the country changed. And there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of movies about Vietnam that came out that, uh, 
you know, I, I think highlighted, I think what people viewed, maybe there was a lot of guys that had some issues there and, and I'm sure a lot of guys did. I mean, cause you know, we were over there and, you know, I've heard that from other vets who said, you know, we don't know what the hell we were doing there. Uh, we didn't know what we were fighting for. Um, you know, but the flip side is, you know, there's been some other movies that have come out and one of them, and we should probably do it at some point, And it's, a uh, uh, oh crap. Um, Mel Gibson movie, uh, we were soldiers mm-hmm. that good movie talk. Yeah, it's a very good movie. And I remember that one kind of got panned a little bit in the reviews because I think it was, um, you know, it, you know, it's Vietnam. We're not supposed to be proud of our uh, efforts in Vietnam. We're not. It was almost like this thing. We're not supposed to make it look good. We're not supposed to make the Americans look good in these movies because I think there's there, there's like you said, like this counterculture is like you know we were the bad guys over there. I'm like yeah, I don't know if we were necessarily the bad guys. Um, you know, you can you can argue whether we should have been over there or not, but were we the bad guys? I don't. I don't think that was the case. Um. Look, I mean, the whole idea of, of containment and so forth, I mean, and, it's, and, it's, and again, I don't want to get too political here, but, but what a lot of people forget is that that there was a there was a real c- countries were falling or changing into communist countries in the 40s through the 60s and 70s, and not many were becoming democracies. And there was the idea of containing it. And uh, the idea, the principle of it, you know, probably not a terrible idea, frankly. I mean, because democracies were technically kind of on the wane, if you will. And, um, you know, and everybody talks about communism, socialism today, like it's like it's, you know, like like it's some kind of nirvana. But, you know, you, you and I both know that more more people got put in the grave in terms of the millions over the last 100 years due to communism than anything else. Right. Um, and um, so so, you know, you can debate the cause, but but we were soldiers was written by a guy named Joe Galloway, who was a reporter mm-hmm. that was covering it, and it was I think it was one of the first air cab units, um, and that was part of the specialty of the uh, of that that unit was it was it was air cab I don't think had really been uh, in, a, in a very comprehensive sense attempted before, and that was really the story of that of that air cab unit. Uh, again, I know we're straying here, so I'll, I'll I'll bring it back around. But but that was that was that movie was about again. I think really one of the first deployed air cav units, right? And they were good troops. Well, and I think uh, if I remember right, and I know we strayed a little bit off of it, but I think one of the things what wasn't Seventh Cavalry Custer's right. Custer's unit. Oh shit! Yeah, that's probably right. Because <laughs> well, they actually ran into. Uh, I mean, they were fighting the Army of North Vietnam. I mean, that in that movie, it was not right. It wasn't Viet Cong. It was the NVA. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, so, so anyway, back to this movie. Gosh, I mean, like I said, I have to pull up the Beecham files, but I mean, I know we have talked about Clint Eastwood ad nauseum on this show. Actor wise, I would have to say that honestly, um, I was kind of surprised looking at Mario Van Peebles because he's in this movie. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised by his career tra- trajectory because I thought he was pretty awesome in this movie. I actually thought he was really good. And he just literally just kind of fell off the face of the earth at some point. I don't I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I mean, his dad was a well-known, I think, director. Uh, and 
I don't really know what happened on people. I mean, he's, he did things, but he did a lot of stuff that wasn't really particularly good. I, uh, I don't know if I, I, and you liked the character. I didn't. I, uh, I, oh, I just didn't find him believable. Uh, and again, I don't know if it's an attribution to the acting or the script. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, you, you could see what was going to happen. I mean, you knew at the end probably he was going to be the guy that was going to be replacing Gunny Highway, you know, ultimately, and which is what he was. Uh, he was going to be end up being a lifer, I think. Um, so, uh, but, um, but you know, I mean, I, 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 you know, again, again, I don't know if it's a script or the acting, but it just, I mean, he was okay, but he didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, okay. But, but, but you know, just the, uh, I mean, clearly he's the feat. I mean, he is the feature. Uh, out, I mean, the other other guys are around it, but in the platoon, he is the feature guy in the platoon outside of Eastwood. I mean, it's the dynamic between him and Eastwood that kind of drives everything internally there. Actually, I have to take it back. I mean, his career didn't like go down i mean he's been in a bunch of stuff i mean he's still working now and he's doing he's been in a few uh looks like he's in a couple of series and stuff like that but muncie you don't oh jeff's up right. mm-hmm. oh still oh jeff is still waiting so all right uh ladies and gentlemen we're gonna bring in um we're gonna bring in uh one of our other friends of the show Jesus H. Christ. Well, now that we're all here. Oh, my God. Did you forget where the button was? Brian and I were in a very in-depth conversation about this great, fantastic film. I'm sorry that I didn't see you pop in. I thought it. Yeah, I, I, I thought I had you on standby. All right. No. Like alert five status. Come on, man. No, no. Uh, shut your face, hippie. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Wait, what are you drinking? A vanilla vodka and Diet Coke? Does that sound like Ronnie? <laughs> it looks like, like a bottle of tequila, if you ask me. But now that we got Jeff here, <laughs> now that we've got a show, yeah. Well, actually, we were doing pretty good. We were we were doing pretty good without you. I'm sure you were. And then, yeah, you just set my editing back about 15 a minutes. Long comes Sally. <laughs> We had covered. We hadn't really covered much ground, but we were talking a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> well, we we had got through one intro, and that was it. Oh yeah, he missed the. Uh, yeah, I brought somebody out of retirement. Oh my god, you got to hear the intro. Yes. Oh, did you? Brought her out oh, of retirement. I can't wait. Yep, it's going to be awesome. He even oh, had the great song by uh, Don Gibson. Going what a great movie to bring her out of retirement on. Yep. Do you use the words? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Brian, Brian spit some uh, liquid on his uh, yeah. iPad when, when he heard some of the stuff I've, Deb said. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got words. <laughs> I was looking for The Last Jedi as a palate cleanser after this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Shots fired. Shots yeah. fired. All right, oh, Jeff. Geez. Well, now that you're here and you've already uh, shit in the punch bowl, why don't you? Uh, why don't you know what we've already talked about? We, we there's not, not there's not much to talk about with uh, Clint Eastwood since we've uh, since we've about. had uh, numerous shows uh, or podcasts that we've done that we reviewed him in. So let let's get down into the to the weeds on this, Jeff. Now that you're here and you've got uh, obviously words. What is your initial uh, review or comments? What, what do you have to say about this great and fantastic film? 
Well, thanks, Steve. Um, you know, I, I remember watching it years ago, and when I was done watching it, I left going, man, that sucks. That just sucked. And I was like, Mario Van Peoples really is a terrible, terrible actor. Um, matter of fact, if there's a deep blue sea level for acting, wow. it is Mario Van Peoples. Is it Peoples now, or Peoples? Beebles. Who knows? It, it, it's irrelevant. He's irrelevant. Oh. What is he doing today? Is he like waiting tables at a Denny's? <laughs> he's 60 now. And he's doing stuff. 60? Like oh, man. He's definitely waiting at Shoney's, right? He's older than Eastwood was when Eastwood made this movie. Eastwood was 55, I think. But you know what? I mean, that guy was a specimen, right? Uh, yes. Eastwood Still. always took good care of himself. He did. You know, I mean, that, that man, I mean, oh, God. It's, whew. Calm me down. But, um, you know, this, this movie, I, if there was a, I felt at times I was sort of watching a, uh, a, a modified version of like police Academy or something. Um, I call it the Island of Misfit Toys. Okay. Guys, but yeah. Now that didn't mean I hated the movie, but these guys are not realistic. Oh, the recon unit's not. Well, the the whole premise is is absurd. I mean, again, it it this only works in a kind of a police academy typeish movie, where you can believe that apparently this recon unit can just just run rough shot and do all of this. I I I just can't believe. I don't care what state our military has been in over the last 150 years. I just can't believe that. And, and that's what I think was tough for me to buy was the whole idea that this group can just behave like this when everybody else in the unit or on the base is, you know, whatever, <clears throat> straight laced and, and doing what they're supposed to do. But and it's, and it's a recon unit. So who should be just the opposite? Well, I mean, yeah, it's right. If you're talking elitist, I mean, there was nothing. I mean, Buck Privates doesn't even begin to describe what these guys could have been ranked. I mean, there was nothing remotely impressive and as you figure out i mean you know these guys need to be you know put into shape well if you're a recon unit you should have probably been the bar that everybody else is trying to meet and so that just the whole premise of that i mean it starts off bad with that i didn't really find it the start of the movie too bad i thought you know the introduction of clint eastwood was fine um i thought you know the introduction of you know him and and mario van wiener was fine but um, but as we, as we get into it, I mean, I understand the whole MacGuffin of the, uh, of the show needs to be this, you know, ragtag group of guys that he's got to get into shape and, um, and, and then, you know, turn into an elite fighting unit. But at no point from beginning middle to end of this movie, did I ever think that this was remotely an elite fighting unit? Um, especially as they were, you know, doing their, you know, maneuvers and going out and ambushing and stuff. It's like, this is a bumbling group of at best ROTC recruits. It was just bad. It was just bad. Bad, but, the bad news but, bears. But some of the lines in this movie are, are just as outstanding as anything we're going to find in Goodfellas. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of those this is this is a very quotable movie. 
and 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 it's all lines from Clint Eastwood. The the quotes per minute in this movie, I think, exceed any movie I've ever seen. I made a comment to Steve earlier. I said, you know, you had one guy that wrote the the script, but then Eastwood, it's like Eastwood was Johnny Carson, where hey, our Carson <laughs> had all these guys writing comedy for him. Eastwood had a guy had ten guys just writing one liners. Because <laughs> I mean, you you could you could sur- you could survive for life. You would not need to know any other one-liners or quotes, but you'd be a prick. But you could survive for life <laughs> on the quotes from this movie and just and just not run out. <laughs> right. I mean, every time you turn around, there's just it. There is the most appropriate quote that Clint Eastwood comes up with. You're like, absolutely. I was like, this is that is the reason to watch this movie. This is not one of those movies everybody should avoid at all cost. I mean, you should watch this movie. <laughs> And adopt some of the quotes into your daily vernacular. Yes. It'll make you popular. Absolutely. Or <laughs> least people will remember you. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, since Jeff has uh, said what he said about the movie, what are, what are your overall thoughts? I mean, before we get into uh, some of the other fun parts of this thing. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah I covered some of this previously, but um, in the end, I like the movie. All right. I've also made the statement that these guys were not real. They wouldn't have got out of boot camp. I've said that previously. Um, the movie is worth it for Eastwood, and it's worth it for Eastwood's one-liners. And honestly, some of the stuff outside of it. I like a lot of the guys around him, like the Sergeant Major and uh, uh, Old Sally, I think was her name, uh, You know, ran the bar. And you know, the, some of the surrounding support. Bo Svensson was wasted in this movie, by the way. That, that guy's actually... He's actually starred in movies before. He's like, what, in the movie for a minute, two minutes, playing just kind of a horse's patoot? Yeah. Bar owner. Uh, uh, you mean the other Master Sergeant? No. No, no, he was the no. uh, paramour for Marsha Mason that was in competition with Eastwood. Yeah. He owned the cowboy bar. Oh, that guy, but, yeah. Was that, that's the point, though. That's the point. That guy was just kind of walked through the movie and see you later. I mean, hell, he did the Walking Tall movies that were really big back in the late seventies. He was the star. Those were admittedly B movies, but he was a star of those movies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the movie is worth going, is worth watching if for no other reason than one-liners. Uh, I loved Eastwood in the movie. I found the platoon, which was more like a squad. I made that comment before too that it, you know if that's a platoon. That's one of the most short-sized platoons I've ever seen. Um, the platoon was pretty tough to, to, to buy into. Uh, not, I, I, I was not as strong in my statements about Mario von Peebles as you were, but clearly I, I'm headed that, I was headed that way. I, I just said, you know, I didn't care for it. Either there's a bad script or bad acting or both, uh, with regard to him. I didn't find him realistic. Uh, but I like the movie. Honestly, I like the movie. Um, uh, it, uh, it's Eastwood's, uh, last war movie that he's been in i think uh, not to say he hasn't made some but i don't think he's been in one since then so overall i liked it yeah i did i mean i'm you know we're not at the rating part here yet by any means but but i like the movie every time i watch every time it comes on i'll watch it but i'll watch it just so i can chuckle eastwood yeah well i mean my thoughts were <clears throat> excuse me i mean i enjoyed the movie you know for what it was i haven't seen it in a long 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 time but, um, I mean, I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, you look at it now with, uh, you know, more mature eyes. It's, you know, like these guys said, you know, it's it's not going to 
uh, it's not going to pass muster because you're not going to see a, a a Marine Force Recon platoon or platoon platoon, you know, in this kind of a state. But you know, overall, I mean, I I I did like it. I mean, it's it's a fun movie. Plus, you get to see Clint Eastwood. I mean, you know, the guy's a mensch. Eastwood, by the way, when Eastwood came out with this movie, I'm like, does Eastwood have throat cancer or something? Because he'd never done this voice before. That raspy voice. I can't see any movie. Well, not not any movie prior to this that he did that. I'm like, what the hell's going on with Eastwood's voice? And uh, by the way, you know, Jeff, we talked about this. To a certain extent, he is he is a, a little bit or a lot of Grand Torino in this. Oh, absolutely. Not entirely. Because uh, was it Frank Grand Torino? Was that was that his name? I think. I think so. You would almost think that it was the same guy. Yeah. Well, but Frank was, I think, regretted some of the things that he did. I can't ever say Gunny Highway saying, like, "Yeah, I'm really sorry. I blew that son of a bitch's head off." No, yeah, I mean, Gunny that. Highway would not sweat too much about that, in my personal opinion. Even 30 years later, you know. But uh, but Frank did. At least you pick that up in the, in that movie. Yeah. But he sure talked like the same guy. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. He must have had the same. He must have had the same one-liner writers for that for the uh, for Grand Torino. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm going to guess. <clears throat> I mean, could you? I mean, it, wouldn't this have been a fun show to see if we could have had some writers that could have had um, Clint Eastwood's character in this movie or Grand Torino sit down with. Carol O'Connor's character from <laughs> Kelly's Heroes, and just watch an hour and a half of them two talk back and forth. <laughs> I would yeah. have paid a lot of money to watch that movie. Yeah, I would have too. I would have too. You know, there's there's certain actors that you just appreciate their presence on on screen, and and you look for you know you know the witty, charming things that they're going to say. You know, another one that I you know, have near and dear because of, you know, his screen presence and usually well-written lines is, uh, um, <sighs> for the love of God. Um, and just he's obviously it. very uh, memorable, very memorable, very, you know, he's so memorable. Um, Oh, the guy from the transporter series, um, Statham. Jason, Statham. Jason Statham, um, you know, there's just certain guys that can, can usually carry a bad movie. Um, well, they can, Willis, Willis has done that before. Yeah, Bruce Willis Not recently. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, we've we've the past. that past absolutely, but um, but but I think, uh, in, in a lot of them happen in the very beginning of the movie, but you you have it, you know, this they try to develop a story as the movie goes on, but it it's just, it's really weak, um, and there's not much not much basis there, um, and. And one of the things I think that brings the movie down is is the silly interplay between him and his ex-wife. I I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's needed. And it gets it gets kind of tiring after a while. Well, it's the on again off again thing. Uh, Marsha Mason obviously is a great actress. She's been nominated for the Academy four times, I think. She was 44 when she did this movie. And she was not bad looking, frankly. I thought she was pretty dang attractive. And you know my my spectrum goes out further and further each year. What a beautiful <laughs> I, woman is! I thought she was uh, near near sixties in this. Wow, she's forty four. She looked a little older. I admit that. Oh but, man, um, she's pretty rough. Yeah, but uh, well, but she's playing. 
She's playing a, oh, a waitress, okay. you know, married to living around the military. But I mean, I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but there's a certain rawness to this movie, I think, was intentional. You know, they didn't make people look pretty in this movie. Hell, the only person that looked pretty was Ben Peebles. Right. I mean, I mean Gunny's got a, I don't know what the hell he's got on his neck. Looks like somebody, you know, sanded off half his neck and he's got that thing across his head. Um, <laughs> look, when we get to irrelevant female roles, I'm going to volunteer somebody. And his name is. Oh. Dot dot. Okay. But we'll we'll look forward to that. I'm sure you will. Waiting with bated breath. Yeah. Um. I liked Everett McGill, who played a great prick in the movie. Stillgar from Dune. I mentioned that earlier. You know, he is there a movie where he does not play a prick? He played Stillgar in Dune. Uh. You know what? The funny thing that you mentioned him, um, I watched on, um, I think it was on, was it Netflix or? Yeah, I think it was on Netflix. They had the Twin Peaks, which I never watched back in the day. And um, he was in there and he was actually, <laughs> he was actually kind of a an emasculated kind of guy. I mean, he, well, I shouldn't say emasculated, but, uh, you know, definitely um, whipped by his crazy wife while he was having an affair with the. Uh, waitress at the thing, but you, have you guys ever seen Twin Peaks? Uh, I just original. go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish up. He's a favorite. He is a favorite of David Lynch. Yeah, uh, he shows up on almost anything David Lynch does. Going back to Dune, frankly, uh, so he's he's been one of his favorites. So uh, you know, I mean, he's just kind of a big, long, rangy guy. I mean, I don't, I don't know quite how he's going to show up, but uh, but no, I just know he's been in a ton of Lynch movies. And there's a B5 connection to him that I'll mention later. So, really? Because we'll um, I was. Yeah, probably, but it's obscure. Okay. It's obscure. Um, I, the, the, the thing that I remember him most in is that movie Silver Bullet. Shit. The. the I don't think that's me. Um, it's me. That's, that's, sorry. That's okay. Brian. Okay. That's Brian. Um, he, um, he, I, I think basically he was a werewolf in that movie. Um, a priest that <clears throat> was, was turned into a werewolf. Did you guys ever see that? No. Somehow I missed that. Okay. It's just uh, Brian. I'm actually shocked. Um, he, um, it was, it, it's, it, you know what? It actually may be a man cave movie. It it may actually be something we could do for for Halloween if we can find it. Um, it stars and if, if for no other reason, um, Gary Busey's in it. Oh, and uh, and and uh, Silver Bullet is actually a Stephen King um, novel. Yeah, and and uh, the novel is is far better than the movie, um, mostly because Corey Haim is in it. But um, that is the that is the one movie that I remember him in. I've never seen Twin Peaks. I started watching the original series. Um, well, I think I've got one episode under my belt, and I think I've been distracted by some other things. But uh, what did you think of some of the side the other side characters in the movie? Uh, the guy that played uh, the master sergeant, uh, the sergeant major, excuse me, not the master sergeant. Well, and there's Moses Gunn who's in the movie uh, again. Probably underutilized because Moses Gunn actually is a, can be a pretty impressive guy. He was the uh, the other the other sergeant for the other for, for first platoon. As I recall. Right. He was the suck up in the movie, which 
was kind of out of character. By the way, okay, Jeff, you talk about a scene that you, you sit here and you go, this would never happen. It's when uh, Recon beats first platoon in the pit. And then the other sergeant shows up and says, you know, boys, I can, you know, you sign this basic, sign this petition and things can go back the way they used to be. I mean, yeah, that ain't ever going to happen. And two, they, if he did do that, they're sure not going to go, you know, don't go angry, just go away. They're not going to do that either. They're not going to threaten that other sergeant. They're just not. Uh, so that was uh, admittedly unrealistic. But that whole scenario is unrealistic. It's just not going to happen. I thought taking the AK-47 and shooting at people <laughs> while they were doing drills was, you know, questionable. I'm going to guess it probably doesn't happen, but I guess it could. They're live fire ant. There are live fire exercises. Now, they're not trying to. Now, he wasn't trying to hit them. Let's be honest. I mean, he was no, but 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 from what I know, we'll need the good captain to chime in here. If there's live fire exercises, um, it's usually over so over your head while you Correct. are down. And you're you're not going to have somebody run um, the the line down the sand towards your legs and come within six inches. That's that's not going to happen. And I felt we saw that a few too many times in this movie. Um, never mind. Apparently, recon tactics is to walk down the middle of a trail as a giant group of men to sneak up on somebody. Again, it, I I'm just like, are they trying? Is this like an you know after school special type of movie? I don't. I don't know because they're really not selling. I think anybody on this. It's an adv- after school special for advanced language skills and cursing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for English language learners. Yeah, this yeah. is what you say. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of those where and, and we may get some. And I, I have definitely welcome the feedback from our uh, our faithful listeners. But I think the appreciation and the. Uh, joy that comes out of this movie is because of the writing and not so much of the, the plot and the, uh, you know, the background. So, cause I mean, it's very tropish. Like you said, I mean, this is basically the bad news bears of, 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 a, of a military movie. You know, we're going to take a, you know, group of misfits, you know, like Brian said, you know, the, the island of misfits toys, and we're going to turn them into this elite group. So that's basically what, what we're looking at here. So, I mean, on on the flip side, I think Ryan Johnson, the most uh, recent uh, guy that uh, helmed the uh, most recent Star Wars movie, could definitely take um, story and plot points from this movie. I think it's um, it's a good start for somebody to learn how to do it. But um, we, you know, there there was the basis for something here. Agreed. I'm not I'm not as big a hater of it. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh this movie uh, star wars uh i i probably will compete with you with reference to that as being but uh but uh i mean it was you know it was just uh i don't know i mean again i the, the platoon if you weren't here earlier but uh Someone made a comment. This is kind of the classic old military movie about you take a platoon that needs work and you build them up and you make them into something special. But these guys were, they weren't just guys that couldn't march in step. I mean, they couldn't do chew gum and walk at the same time. 
and they had a bad attitude instead of being a bunch of gung-ho heartbreakers and life takers. You know, they were none of those things. They Maybe See, they were heartbreakers, but, you know. I, I think it just wasn't some sort of – I think somebody said, okay, well, we're going to have this guy that's going to come and shape up this recon unit so they can go in at the, you know, the, the third act and do whatever they do. Um, that, you know, I, I, I guess that's okay as an idea, but it just didn't play out well. I mean, you know, we've seen movies that, that have done exactly this. You take a group of misfits, um, and then you get this sergeant that comes in and, or lieutenant and, and just whips them into shape. You know, we saw that in, um, full metal jacket. You know, we saw that in the first episode of band of brothers. Um, you know, those are the situations where you, where you see these guys, you know, you know, making all these bonehead mistakes these kind of novice amateur mistakes, not some sort of recon unit that's apparently been through boot camp and now is going on and, you know, and <clears throat> going to be uh, you know, you know, quasi elite group of men. Yeah. I mean, that, we were talking earlier that, that kind of trope, if you will, has generally more recently, it's kind of reserved to sports movies. That's yes. Today. Uh, not so much. In fact, you know, I made a comment earlier, a lot of the military movies you see today are about are, are actually focused on elite troops usually, you know, uh, of one form or, or fashion. Uh, and those, those movies that aren't are usually movies that are pretty critical of the military. They're kind of like hit pieces almost, but, uh, yeah. but, but yeah. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Let's, um, let's move on to, uh, one of our favorite parts of the show and that's brother. What you drink it. Hey, Brian, um, I'm going to kick it over to you. I saw you pouring something over there a little earlier. Well, I was going to pull out my 12% APV uh, for whatever the hell it was I had a few weeks ago that I didn't remember anything that happened from it for the next 48 hours, but, uh, <laughs> uh, which I did but uh, I'm actually just, uh, I'm not doing vanilla vodka or anything like Kim does. I mean, I, I'm doing just the straight up, uh, you know, vodka with Diet Pepsi on the side. So. Wow. All right. Shot here, shot there, and just wash it down, little, little, little skull, and things are good, man. Nice. Nice. A lot of skull, actually. A lot of skull. Mm-hmm. A lot of skull. What are you? Are you, are you a straight cut guy, or are you doing wintergreen? I'm doing wintergreen. Oh, okay. I mean, what do you mean straight cut? The straight, the the brown can, the the, the long cut. No, I yeah, I, I mean, or yeah, long cut. Yeah, it's a raw. It's between your teeth. It helps, you know. It's good for dental hygiene. Oh, of course. It makes me stronger, sort of shit. That's how my that's about how my teeth exist. You know, <laughs> is that it? It doesn't kill us. We're going to be here forever. Yeah. Oh dear lord. I think there's a <laughs> uh, actually. I think I've got a quote from the uh, the predator uh, or from uh, episode two uh, for that. Remember well, that? I'm I'm the guy in the Charlie Daniels song with the green teeth. So <laughs> <laughs> kick him an old green teeth. <laughs> Kicked old green teeth right. In my yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh All right, Jeff, what do you got, buddy? Um, well, uh, tonight I'm drinking something special, special. Um, hey. it is, um, it is my, my most recent, um, homebrew. Oh my gosh. It is, uh, you know, I know you saw, you know, weeks and weeks back the, um, the, uh, you know, my, uh, my, my yeast starter that I had. And then, uh, you saw the, the bubbling and churning, um, and so it finally, uh, you know, it finally, uh, matured and, um, you know, and, and I got it kegged, uh, about a week ago. And what I made was a, um, one of the, one of my favorite beers was the, uh, Bell's, um, cherry 
stout that they have that comes out um, annually um, around September or so. And, um, but I had an old, I had a porter kit that I was wanting to, uh, to make. And I thought, you know, I, I bet a cherry porter would be nice. And so I made a, made a nice cherry porter and, um, and I think it turned out pretty darn well. Um, I had some friends over a couple weeks ago and, um, and, and they kicked back, um, in my estimation, a couple gallons. So, um, it went down pretty easy and smooth. And if I measured the gravity, right, um, looks like it's between seven and a half and 8%. Nice. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for so, calling. Thanks you know, for calling me, you son of a bitch. Well, you know, you never, you know, call or come by, you know. Oh, gotta, I never oh. call or come by. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, here's zing. This well, is how it, this is Well, how since you put like cherries and fruit in it, I mean, you know, it, it sounds a little formulaic, like something I'm used to. Did you, did you make this in the, in the toilet bowl and ladle it out, you know, <laughs> in the toilet bowl with the, the you know, to your buddies? Bruno is not associated with this. <laughs> me and my, I mean, I mean, my old prison bros, we could come over, we could, we could put some down. Now, I'm <laughs> prison bros. Look, I know the men you hang out with. All right. There's... <laughs> all right. We take hot showers together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, before this uh, podcast gets totally out of control, uh, I'm going to share with you what I'm drinking right now. I had stopped over to uh, my good and dear friends at the um, uh, the Grand Junction Brewing uh, Company. They are uh, they're, they're a very local, very, very local group. And they just started canning. And they've got, they've got a great pub. They've got a tap room. Brought Corbin over there today. He had a ball. Uh, they brought him um, a little bowl of uh, water, and I gave him some beer, and they give him treats. But I got um, I got their fifteen twenty. It's a Hefeweizen, if you could see that. That's the can. Nice, uh, oh. very nice can, very nice labeling. Uh, it's very good, nice Bavarian uh, Hefeweizen. So that's why I've been kicking back. Uh, and prior to that, I knocked out this. Um, I, have, <laughs> I, I, I happen to knock out this growler. Yeah, um, I, that was okay. Yeah, that was the uh, the backside. The what well, it's called the imperfect backside, oatmeal stout. So, oh, so yeah, Jeff, you'd like I, that. You got to get down here sometime. Take you over there. So, up there, yes, yeah, yeah. So I knocked out that growler, and now I'm working on my uh, fifteen twenty. So that's that's what we're drinking today. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go, folks. That is uh, Brother What You're Drinking. And uh, since Ken's not here because he's at a, where was he at, Brian? A Mexican he cowboy party? He was at a party? Mexican cowboy festival. Or, yeah. Hold on. Here, uh, <laughs> Are there? Yeah, I, I just, I have a really bad vision of this. Uh, a Mexican big... cowboy party. <laughs> I want somebody to submit pictures, stats. <laughs> yes. All right. I know somebody has to. Somebody has to tag him soon. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's not a it's not a gaucho party, so at least we know he's he's north of Central America, apparently. So right. Yeah. Hey, so. man. All uh, right. And so I, that- I like the gauchos, especially when they're bringing giant meat on sticks. Yeah. And that's I, true. And I, I don't mean they're schlongs, but um, <laughs> wow. Just wow. saying. Well, I mean, there's a line from the movie. You know, what's twelve inches in white? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and the other and and the comeback is. 
what's, what's black and bleeding if it doesn't shut up? <laughs> oh my gosh! I just, no seriously. I don't I, know how much this could make it, but it's some of the funnier shit we've done in a while. Yeah, I just I thought the interplay between those two was absolutely stellar. It was great. Oh, he was a straight. He was a straight man for Eastwood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you right. got to give Eastwood credit. I mean, seriously, you go you like Pale Rider or uh, which, by the way, I love that movie. Pale Rider or Midwest Pla- or High Plains Drifter. He hardly says three words in those whole damn movie. I mean, he says very little in those movies. This movie, he just talks. It's just what's Gunny Highway going to say? I mean, you're just you're just primed to see what comes out of Eastwood's mouth. I mean. Got to give the guy credit. I mean, you know, it used to be like, well, Eastwood would just he'd, he'd kind of squint at you. You'd see, actually, the, the Eastwood acting was you'd see the facial tremor, which meant he was basically going to kill you at any given time. Well, he's gone from that to this raspy, gunny highway thing, which was, again, I, guys better act for people give him credit for, regardless of what we think of the movie overall. Right. Yeah. All right, guys, we're done with that. We're going to move on to clips. Clips, one clips. of our favorite parts of the show. So here we go. Number one. It means be advised, and I mean nasty and tired. I eat Constantino wire and piss napalm, and I can put a round through a flea's ass at 200 meters. So you go hump somebody else's leg, mud face, before I push yours in. <laughs> that whole scene was great. And I, and you know what? Whoever That's who, the start of the movie. Yeah. That's the beginning of the movie. And whoever put that guy in that jail cell... And he still had a knife on him. That cop needs to be fired. I thought the same thing, Steve. I thought, yeah. how in the hell did he get a knife in there? Yeah, hey, man. There's a lot of entrepreneurs in the jail system. They they work. They make a lot of money to get those things in there. Okay, yeah, well, not in the, the cop. drunk tank. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You, you want to hear a story real quick? All right. So you know, I you know, I worked at intake for a while, right? Um, we're you know, so we're talking about right that scene right there, and uh, we had um. We had this. Uh, we had this guy come in who spoke no no English. Okay, no. I'm not gonna say, no well, I mean, I'm not going to say you know what language he you know apparently spoke, but he comes in and he's he's you know he's he's very 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 active in his his language and and I'm like uh, and and I'm like okay well I, you know, I need need you to take your you know your shoes off and he's like ah oh, you know I don't understand you know I, I and I, I did believe he just had no idea what I was talking about and. Um, and and he's sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, you got, you got to take your, you know, your shoes off, and motioning, you know, and he's like, and he's, you know, he's and he's motioning down there, and then he's he's doing this thing where he's like, you know, like 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 thrusting a closed fist at me, and I'm like, what what are you talking about? Like like a stabbing motion, and um, and he's really animated, and you know, we got several officers in there at this point, and so. Um, he pulls up his pant leg and he's got these big boots on his big, not, not cowboy boots, but like just lacing boots that go up, you know, you know, uh, way above his ankles. And he starts, you know, undoing them and he's talking and he's doing this, you know, stabbing motion. I'm like, what the, what the hell is this guy talking about? And then I see like, I see this red cloth. And what was weird about it is it was, it was in between his boot, the inside of his boot and his leg and i thought how is that cloth suspended between his the inside of his boot and his leg and so i go over and i grab the cloth and my hand wraps around something hard underneath and i pull this knife out 
I shit you not, it was a good at least nine to ten inches long. Wow. That was the point where it was like, uh, Sergeant, Lieutenant, we need we need somebody here now. Um, <laughs> it was, and yeah, it was. I think, uh, I think, body check. I think, yeah. Well, he body got check. the body check, and um, and then we got, uh, and then we got an officer about three days for that one because it was like it, that. That would go through me very easy. Um, and um, yeah, that guy was scary. It was a scary dude. Never forget that. <clears throat> but yeah, you know that stuff happens on intake. And you're right, Steve. That officer needs to have some time away. Right. All right. You know, I have some some distant passing familiarity with uh, with uh, a certain sort of tank. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> tell us more. No, <laughs> most people in there are just fucking excuse me, just trying to like get me out of here. I feel like shit. I want to puke. <laughs> and, and Brian was like, "Where's the Pruno? Can you yeah. pass him?" Over here, I think, I think what Brian there's a whole social order that can de- there's a whole social order that can develop in a matter of six hours that is just unfreaking believable. <laughs> <laughs> what Brian is trying to say is you do not want to get locked up on certain weekends of the year, yeah. especially like the Indy 500, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a bad time. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, let's <laughs> see. Thank you, guys. Number two, I'm a singer, man. You heard of me? Stitch Jones, Earl of Funk, Duke of Cool, Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. Shut your face, hippie. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hippie, man. <laughs> Ain't been no hippies in for centuries, man. Been freeze dried or doing hard time. <laughs> I love that. I just, wanted, no a, I just wanted Clint Eastwood to punch him in the throat. That's all I was wanting. The entire movie. Yep. All right. He was irritating. Yeah. He was. I don't know. I like Wasn't it. Wasn't that a great scene, though, when Eastwood shows up and he's their gunner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you my gotta, God. But, but that, that goes back to the Owl whole. wrapped around him. But that goes back to the whole thing. It's like, okay, you're a Marine. You're heading back to base. This guy's on the same bus heading in the same direction. What are you thinking? Uh, you, 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 you know you're going to run in. that, man, Von Peebles, he's a corporal. Yeah. Which is unimaginable to me, right? But his next his next bump is sergeant, you know. So anyway, all right. Let's see number three. The crotch line. I'm gonna slurp my lifer's juice out of my own cup. Yeah, I guess I should have gotten shots beforehand. Your brain was half as quick as your mouse skunk stool. You'd be a friggin' twenty star general by now. Well, if I was half as ugly as you, sergeant major. I'd be a poster boy for a prophylactic. Still a mean, <laughs> nasty bastard. I still love skunk stool. <laughs> you know, that that goes in the in the that should go in the book of guy talk. It is. It's one of those things where when you're watching this movie, you're taking notes. That's mm-hmm. that that's that's the kind of guy movie this is. All right, here we go. One of my favorites. Chew on jarheads and spit them out. We do. Why don't I just bend you over that table and nail you in the keister? (laughs) Well, that's what your persuasion is. You just said so. I'll send you home with a a just pump the neighbor's cat look on your face. (laughs) It's the best. I don't think you can do that now. It's the best. (laughs) No. Now, I'm not sure. I mean, of course, Gran Torino, we said the same damn thing. You know, that movie's not that old. Yeah. All right, let's see. I like this one here. Oh, 
the AK-47 assault rifle, the preferred weapon of your enemy. And it makes a distinctive sound when fired at you. So remember it. <laughs> he, like, pulled that thing out of his ass. I was like, where, where did he get this? He wasn't he curious. Hit it somewhere. He, he'd hit it somewhere the day yeah. before, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they show where he was, like, he was way ahead of them. And he kind of, like, turned a corner. And they were, like, coming around. Yeah. You missed that part, Jeff. Yeah, clearly. All right. Um, <clears throat> All right, next one. Uh, we heard you were back. Webster. These retards couldn't fight their way out of a shithouse. Is that where you've been keeping yourself lately? Me and Major <laughs> Powers are building an E-Light company of fighting men. Only thing you could build, Webster, is a good case of hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And he just... He just walks away. Yeah. I like that. In e light. I love yeah. that. E light. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next one. What's your assessment of this alert? It's a cluster oh. fuck. <laughs> Looks Say again. Marines are fighting men, sir. They shouldn't be sitting around in their sorry asses uh, filling out request forms for equipment they should already have. Interesting observation, Gunny. Carry on, Major. And the the thing that I love about this, and we didn't talk about him, is the Sergeant Major. Mm -hmm. Best name in the world, Chuzu. Love that. Love that name. And he was, like, priceless. I remember when he said, you know, when when Gunny said, Clusterfuck, you just sell Chuzu, just, like, roll his eyes, like, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Last one here. Goody! Jones. Just because we're holding hands doesn't mean we're going to take warm showers for the wee hours of the morning. You hear me? Suck up a Yeah. That was Von Peebles, Van Peebles, Van Eastwood. I think he used that line a couple times in the movie, by the way. I think that's not the only time he said that. Well, he always had some reference to the showers or, you know, yeah. swapping spit or holding hands or something. So I read somebody uh, who's a uh, re- recently retired, but he says, you know, that, that those lines uh, would poorly fit today's, uh, probably not a line you could get away with using. It could be offensive, I guess. I, I, I think that was the implication. Oh, well, again, this movie's this movie's ancient. I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they haven't like stripped it off of the uh, you know the streaming videos or anything like that because it might offend someone. Well, the scary thing to me to think about this movie is 32 years old. 32 years old. I was born, and I'm younger than Roni. Just I'll lay that out there just before you guys jump on my ass about being the old guy, but. I was literally born 14 years after World War II ended. So this movie has much further separation uh, from from me today when I was, you know, just out of college than World War II had to me when I was born. I mean, shit. I mean, I, I'd have been a teenager and World War II would have not been that far behind. Yeah. That would have been kind of like with me, it was... Yeah, by the time I was a teen, eh, now, yeah, by the time I was a teenager, I mean, Vietnam would have been over for, oh yeah, Vietnam had been over for, shit, 10 years, I was already 15. 
So I was I, born six. I only missed selective service draft by a few weeks. Yeah. I still remember going to register for it. Yeah, they well, they had a period where they got rid of it. And I got I kind of fell in that gap and then they brought it back. But so I never had to do it. But I mean, I was right in the end where they were actually drafting people. Yeah, see, I, they weren't drafting when I did, but I remember I still had to go register. That was something you had yes. to do. Well, there was a period where you didn't, and I fell in that gap. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. I remember having to do it. Yeah, I still remember going to the post office. They had to fill out this paperwork and all this stuff. And I remember that, too. Yeah. So I remember my mom saying, don't, don't, don't not do that. I was like, okay. Yeah, but I think it was like, a, I mean, you... I, I think you couldn't actually register to vote or anything like that unless you did that. Yeah, something. there was there was something tagged to it. Yeah. So that's awesome, right? I like the fact that you still have that in a uh, plastic bag, that bottle mm-hmm. of whatever you're drinking. Awesome. It's my sh- it's my shitty job of hiding it. <laughs> she just she she knows what's in the fucking bag. <laughs> I at least act like I'm. Putting some effort into trying to sneak it. <laughs> nice. You hear the shit I get, right? Oh gosh. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. The, that last, that last time. <laughs> Did you guys go to church? That was the best. That was the best. <laughs> All right, there you go, folks. Yeah. That is it with the uh, clips. And yes. now, um, hey, hey Jeff, do you? Um, since Ken's not here, can you do the uh, the top ten, or are we going to skip that one? What do you think? No, I think we I think we can do that. Was we it nineteen eighty six? Nineteen eighty six. Yeah, uh, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. You're yeah. Let's you, let's do that. Knock it out, man. Knock it out. Jeff can yeah. knock out the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do uh, let's do that. All right, hold on, just a just a second here. I need to get off this one screen that I uh, that I'm on. And uh, is that Pornhub.com? Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> You can shut that down. I see the room's dark, so <laughs> you can <laughs> see some some motion in the background there. Um, <clears throat> no, <laughs> God no. Nineteen eighty six. Here we go. Uh, Nineteen eighty six was an enormous year for uh, for movies, and I think. Ken's format, you know, some some notables that, uh, yep. uh, what the hell is this? Get off the Usually game. the notables are the best movies. Or some of the best. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so we'll uh, we'll start going down, uh, going up the list here. Um, one that I'd like to mention, uh, because um, it's uh, mine and uh, our old dear friend Marcus Sloverius's favorite movies from uh, Kira Kurosawa was uh, Ron. Ron. Yeah. I was Great say. movie. Yeah. Great movie. Um, uh, was it uh, based? Was it King? Is based on uh, King Lear? Maybe. King, yep, King Lear. Also, another honorable mention was Platoon. Interesting. Did, I thought that would have been definitely in the top higher. ten. Yeah. Well, once you, says, once, you, yeah. once you hear the top ten, you will understand why it's not. Okay. okay. All right. Um, so, um, but uh, also another one that I don't think we've done this. Maybe we have. Have we done the Highlander? Of course. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I don't think I was mm-hmm. there. Um, Highlander, um, also in 1986. Um, another one worth mentioning is uh, Rocky IV. Ugh. Which one was that? That was Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Russia. Brigitte Nielsen. Nielsen. Uh, a movie that this one is um, is modeled after. Uh, probably pretty close. I feel that 
some stiff competition with them was Police Academy 3 back in training. Honest to God, I've never seen a Police Academy 2. I saw the first one. Yeah, that's all I saw. Top grossing movies. Um, actually, Heartbreak Ridge came in at number 24 this year. Number 24. That's a pretty good pretty good outing. The movie made $100-something million, dollars, I thought. But uh, that didn't sound right because that would have been a top 10 movie back then. Right. Right. Uh, I've got it here at about 40, about 40 million. Okay. Still respectable back then. Damn good. Uh, but let's get into the, uh, let's get into the, uh, top 10. Actually, let's do, we're going to do the top 11. Number 11, the golden child <laughs> with Eddie Murphy. Love it. It's, it's when Eddie Murphy's pop, box office popularity started dropping. He, he peaked, right? He peaked here. He peaked prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. That, this was a clear pull. Yes. Well, I I like Steve. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, all right. That was number eleven. Um, number ten. Down and out in Beverly Hills. Nick Nolte. Uh, 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 what's his name? He won an Oscar for the. He won an Oscar with Marsha Mason in the Goodbye Girl. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, right? Is that it? I think that's it. Um, let's see here. Uh, Bette Midler and Richard Dreyfus And uh, Nick Nolte. And Nick Nolte, yes. Yes, you are. Richard Dreyfus had a manufacturing company where he made coat hangers. Correct. Yeah, yes. not go any further. Oh, dear. All right. Um, number, that was number 10. Number nine, um, a classic classic movie um definitely don't think it's a man cave but uh if you are of our generation probably watched it several times ferris bueller's day off oh yeah his mom wow his mom (laughs) what the entry you know you went for the mom i went for jennifer gray no i went for the mom no steve went and and, and obviously the principal you know who that is that's jeffrey uh what's his name tambor no, 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 Jeffrey. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh God, he ended up getting uh, picked up. Was it for uh, child? Oh, he yeah, he's 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 his. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jones, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones. Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was oh, oh, Brian, Brian. All right. Um, so Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, number eight was uh, Ruthless People. Danny DeVito. It's a fun Judge movie. Ryan. It's a fun movie. Helen Slater. And then also Bette Midler. It's a fun movie. I never got Bette Midler. No, not at all. Not at all. All right, number seven. Uh, Also, very, very, very influential and inspiring movie for um, a lot of people. The Color Purple. Danny Glover, uh, Oprah, right? Ray Dong Chong. Ray Dong Chong, now she's a. Oprah, of course, Oprah Winfrey was in it. Never saw Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. A big cast, huge cast. Um, cast of thousands. Uh, but very, very, very well adored by a lot of people. All right, number six. <laughs> we wish Ken was here for this one. It will invoke the uh, the conversation piece. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Oh. <laughs> that's, Is that that's, the, that's the one with the whales, though, right? <laughs> Is that the one with the whales? The odd movies were good. The even ones uh, were bad. <laughs> if it's the one with the whales, that's a funny movie. No, it's uh, not. It's terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> nuclear <laughs> vessels. That's that. That you just hit it right. That's a good movie, dude. Oh. It really is. No, we're done. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, number number five. One of one of I I I think it's fair to say, um, the one of our top favorite movies, uh, uh, go to movie. I think when we want to watch something, is uh, Aliens. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's good, great. We've done it. Great movie. Everybody should see it. <laughs> All right. Holds up. Four. Actually, we talk about movies that hold up. That yes. movie looks like it was made yesterday. It does it is shot extraordinarily well? Yeah. Oh my god, they put took a lot of care and love into that. <laughs> All right, number four. <laughs> number four. Um, we we occasionally make mention of this movie. Um, I don't think we've ever done it. Uh, we should do it at some point. Um, <laughs> The man does the triple Lindy in it. Oh, Rodney. Back, back to school. Rodney Dangerfield. With the great Sally Kellerman, who was the With love Sally. Uh, I went to the theaters and saw this. I liked it. Yeah. With very young Robert Downey Jr. And, of course, Sam, God rest his soul, Kennison. Yeah. Sally oh. Kellerman, arguably the sexiest female voice ever, by the way. Man. Just listen, listen to her talk. <laughs> Number three, The Karate Kid, part two. Mr. Machio yeah. and yeah. Uh, Arnie from uh, Happy Days. Arnie from Happy Days, yeah. Yeah, um, so in, in Pat, uh, Morita. Pat Morita, yes. Um, so number two, they, um, they, they, you know, the Cobra Kai's, I think, seek revenge on, uh, on, uh, on Danielson. Um, pretty yeah. much the Karate Kid ran out for me after one. One yeah. was good, and that was kind of it. Two, yeah, it had its moments, but, uh, um, Wax on, wax off. Yeah, but still number three, grossing over a hundred million during that time. Wow! All right, number two, and you know I keep seeing something um, in reference to this, like an homage or a terrible reboot. Um, Crocodile Dundee. Oh God! Yeah, there's a new movie. I like Crocodile Dundee, by the way, and I thought Linda Koslowski was oof, wow. Um, she was hot. Yeah. He dumped his wife for her, by the way. Yep. So anyway, uh, 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 the, the, there's a new movie where it's the son of Crocodile Dundee, and it's uh, yes. I think the guy yeah. from Eastbound and Down. I, maybe I'm wrong. Who's it kind of a goof? Terrible. In, in the new movie, it's very much a comedy. Looks terrible. Uh, all right, and the number one movie of oh, 1986. I gave you a clue once I uh, let you know it was Platoon at the beginning. Um, number one. I know what it is. Top. Top Gun. Hmm. It's, what, what's the female lead in that? Obviously, uh, we know uh, the lead. Yeah. Tom well, Cruise. Well, the, the female Tom lead Cooper. is Tom Cruise. And he, the, you know, uh, the male lead. Kelly. Kelly McGillis, yeah. yeah. Tom Skerr, Anthony Edwards, uh, Michael Ironside. Um, it's a great cast. It's, it's, it, it, and, and talk about a terrible story. 
Um, eh, I don't want to say terrible story, just bad. It was a decent story, bad execution. Um, I like Scarrett and anything he's in usually. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the uh, top 11 of uh, 1986. There you go. Nice. Thank you, Jeff. All right, folks, that's it with uh, the top 10 of 86. Now it is time to move on to um, uh, the checklist of this great and fantastic film. All right, number one. <laughs> Did anyone uh, jump through a window or go through a window or break a window? Um. I, I feel like this is the perfect movie for somebody to go through multiple panes windows. I don't think a window was broken. They no, blew the no, side no. out of a of a fort brick. But I don't think a window was broken. Clearly, clearly with Eastwood's butt in the drunk tank, some windows had been broken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there an irrelevant female role in the movie? <laughs> go get it. Yes. 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 Here we go. That's, that's clearly, clearly Mario Van Peoples was way out of his element. In this movie. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so you're questioning his, uh, his, his. I'm just saying of the female. Gender here or what? <laughs> I'm just saying of the female leads in this movie. I'm saying that he. Uh, he um he just uh, he's irrelevant. I don't. I think you take him out of it, and uh, any of the other DBs could step up and just be as terrible as as he was. Wow, man! I can't believe you're dissing the Ayatollah rock and roll. <laughs> he, he was, but he was the Costello to Abbott, or Abbott to Costello. I mean, he was the you know Eastwood straight man. He had he to be there the, for that. Deep blue sea of actors, my friend. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. There you go. Uh, let's see. Number three. Well, the answer is no. Son of <laughs> a bitch must pay. Was there a son Don't. of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? <sighs> um, Everett McGill. Everett McGill. He got sent back to supply. <laughs> female role. Yes. Uh, I think there's a couple of them. You're still you're still back on female roles for this. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just saying there was a couple of SOBs. You know, it just happens to be our first relevant female role was also you know this you know also not necessary. All right, and uh, got what it deserved. Okay, let's see number four. <laughs> was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? <laughs> was there not a Wilhelm scream in this movie? If not two or three. Were there? I don't think so. I'm just saying, no, how no. was there not one there in this movie? Should have been a couple, but there right. should have been there should have been two in this movie. Yeah. All <laughs> and right. There was sadly none. Okay, next. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Go ahead, Jeff. Stand in for Mario Van Peoples. I think oh so. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody. Oh my God! Somebody but has. seriously, um, could we? Uh, I mean, could she have been? Could she have better played the uh, the, the waitress that uh, Brian uh, has a thing for? 
I don't have a thing for her. I just think she's attractive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, could she, at that point, I wouldn't have kicked her out of bed for eating crackers. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, the whole thing between Eastwood and Marsha Mason, it was too protracted. But I think she was a critical character because she was what, you know, basically that's where he was headed. You know, I mean, that's that was his second life. And that was, the, that was a real undercurrent to the movie. Uh, the again, redemption. Yeah. What's that? Redemption. His, yeah. his redemption. I mean, I, I get it. I, I get it. You know, this is a man showing that he's, you know, you know, grown up, grown old and changed and, you know, it's, you know, better for it. I, I get it, but it, it, it was a little long. It, it was, it could have been handled better. Yeah. All right. And the, the one scene where she goes, you're trying to, what was, you're trying to flank me or something like that, where she gets all pissed oh, off. And yeah. Like, well, he's giving her the shoulder massage and yeah, she's I'm like, like, oh, you've got new tricks. I can't believe I'm like, yeah, I'm like poorly written, bad. All right, let's see. Number six. Was there a montage in this movie? I feel the movie was basically no. a montage, but yeah. And there, if there was there, a movie that should have had some montages, it should have been this one. Yeah, and it didn't. But it, I guess. Could could the could the um, no. the obstacle course scenes no. be considered? No, no, no. All right, fine. No. All right. Last fine. and certainly not least. And so it begins. All Was right. there a Babylon Five reference in this movie? And Brian mentioned earlier he has something, and, and it better not be some seven degrees of separation shit. <laughs> I thought it's one degree of separation. I'm okay. waiting. Here we go. As remembered severed dreams. Maybe the greatest episode ever, arguably in Babylon Five. Yes. Remember the, the guy that played the major Ed Ryan character? An actor named Bruce McGill, who was also the guy in Animal House, the yeah. the motorcycle guy. Yeah. Straczynski said, Yeah, I want to get that McGill guy. <laughs> And then Bruce McGill shows up, <laughs> and he thought it was going to be Everett McGill. So Everett McGill was supposed to be that guy. Oh my That's god! That's the God's truth. I read that. Oh my I, god! I heard him say that. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because he's never. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of a prick about actors. He really is. If you listen to him, he's not the biggest fan of actors. So yeah, I want that McGill guy. So Bruce McGill, who's kind of short and dowdy, shows up. <laughs> it's kind of like what the fuck, <laughs> but he's like, "Well, it's too late now." <laughs> but I love Bruce McGill. I, well, I love him too. But Bruce <clears throat> McGill at that point in his life is not the same guy he was in Animal House. No, so. no, he wasn't. But you know, he's. I I thought he, he did that character really well, though. Well, the I only reason he was playing is because the freaking guy that played the admiral or whatever the hell his name was squirreled out on one at the last minute, and they, so they had to kill him. Well, he's dead. Well, he was supposed to be in the damn show. They they thought they had him contracted to do it. He freaking doesn't show up. So it was like, shit, we got to get somebody. This could be I'm the with end the McGill guy. <laughs> this could be the end of my career. I need to get out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because that, that guy actually went over to uh, Next Generation. Oh, that was that that was a step up. That was it. That was it. Well, actually, the, well, for him, probably it was, but. All right, well there, there you go, folks. That's it with the Mad Cave movie oh, review. Hold Check. on, what, dude? 
But slow your roll. We mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. have a connection mm. to Babylon 5 in this show. You found something <laughs> other than what what he just yes. pulled up? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, my God. Amateur hour. That was All probably right. obvious. I didn't even think about it. Ah, see? Okay. So, there, uh, there was a man by the name of, um, um, he goes by Christopher Michael. And he was one of the Marines in the show. And he's labeled as Marine. Um, and, uh, and, uh, he, um, at the time went by the name of, um, Christopher Lee Michael. <clears throat> and he was in, Oh, the to here. He was in the Babylon Five episode shooter. He was a shooter in uh, one of the Babylon Five episodes, a race through dark places. Oh, I thought he was in one. You of know the what? Movies. I I, I actually no. think I know who you're talking about. I recognize him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he um, very obscure was in one episode, and he was just kind of an kind of an extra in this and um and yeah so um one episode and one of the guys in the background in this movie but there is your connection wow mine was a hell of a lot more interesting i thought but I'll be well you know what it sure as hell was but mine was obscure and i found it damn it yep yeah pretty good thanks um yeah do you need some preparation h for the uh hemorrhoids that you probably <laughs> pulled out of that uh geez nice yeah i think he actually you know i, I saw pieces of kidney flying out or something like that. <laughs> don't mess with me and my extensive look, look, look like scanners yeah <laughs> you look like scanners doing this oh. you know? <laughs> all right guys let's it's also uh, in an episode of the x-files but yeah that's a different story all right let's close this bad boy out let's give it a, let's give it a review uh let's oh, wait a minute he was what also in crusade he was also in Crusade. That's okay. why I thought that. Okay. Um, the Babylon 5 movie Crusade, um, he played um, an Earth Force captain. Oh, that's great. Boom shakalaka. Mm-hmm. Hey, let, 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 me, let me throw out a quick trivia question for both of you to see if you can figure this out real quick. All right. There are two Oscar winners in this movie that I know of. Who are they? One is obvious. And it doesn't have to be as an actor. There's two. Uh, I have no idea. I, I, I would have never. Well, I mean, obviously Clint, right? Because for Clint, director, Clint is a director. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I would guess uh, Marsha Mason. She had four nominations, but she didn't win. Ah, do you remember Little Mary Jackson, the bar lady that owned the bar? Yeah. Yes, Eileen Hecker. She won an Oscar. She's an Oscar winner for Butterflies Are Free. Hmm. She, I, th- I think she was nominated back in the 50s. But she, she is an Oscar winner. Pretty obscure. Interesting. Well, that is really obscure. All right. You know, if, well, you, two, if you two ladies are done, you know, swapping spit <laughs> while you're Blade? sharing, holding hands in the shower, <laughs> can we close Ozzy this? Rozzy. Can we close the show out? 
Good God. <laughs> Never start with us. <laughs> All right, there hey, you go. Hey, one, one other thing no, real quick. No, no. <clears throat> on the They're island, so there, there, there were like two up. armored personnel carriers on a whole uh, BRDP-2s or something like that. But that's all that existed on the Grenada Defense Force. They were both apparently trying to kill Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, those they didn't have cannons on them. Those are like 15. I mean, they, they were not cannons on those. Those are like heavy machine guns on there. But anyway, just factoid. Okay. You're right. gonna, of everything in this movie, that's what you're going to quibble with? Well, you missed my quibbling with the, the, the steel pod helmets versus the Kevlar. But. Okay, we're, we're moving on. That's it. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Holy crap. You was know, that a real AK-47, or was that one of the uh, check knockoffs? This is what happened when Muncie comes in, like, halfway through the podcast. It just, it's literally... You get, you get mad at me when I'm not the, here, but then when I'm here, you get mad at me. I just can't please you. <laughs> No, because when you come in, when you come in on time, I can control you. But when you come in the middle of the thing, it's like you're just like shitting in the punch bowl. Go back and listen to prior podcast. You can never contain this. All right, all right. There you go, folks. (laughs) Got zero. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm trying to remember why I retired from this. And, um, no, it just I, I don't know why. What's why great is ever... Jeff, gives, Jeff gives me great cover. You know? <laughs> why, why would you ever want to give this gig up? Okay. I mean, <laughs> look at the big bucks you make. Yeah. God <laughs> yeah. All right. Zero plus zero carries the zero. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Go, that, <laughs> that's it, folks. We're, we're done with this. You know what? We've already had the review. That's it. We, we mm-hmm. You know what Jeff thinks. You know what I think. And we know what Brian thinks about this movie. Um, so that is it with episode, what, what are we on? 222? Yeah, 222. Rate it? We're going to be in trouble if we don't rate it. All right, rate it. Um, I'm going to give this a, uh, a 6.25. Jeff, because you're going to give the shit rating. Come on, Jeff. I'm going to, I'm going to set the bar for you, Brian, at four and a half. Okay. I'm seven, and man. All four of those and a half are, are, are based on quotes. All right. You're at seven? No, no. Actually, that's a stretch. <clears throat> yeah. Because I, I really like it. It's, I'm six and a half on it. I like the movie, man. I Hey, when this movie comes on TV, I watch it. I'll sit. I mean, I'll sit down and watch it. It's just a fun movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy the movie. I, it's, it's a fun movie to watch. It's great. I mean, just for the, you know, just for the dialogue alone. But, I mean, in terms of. You know, if I'm going to stack it up against other war movies we've done, it's not that good. But you know, but again, I don't think there's I don't think I can name a single freaking movie that has more great lines in it. I mean, I put it up against any movie ever done for quantity and quality of great lines. Right. But is this a war movie or is this just a a, a military setting? Well, that, well. I mean, if, the gra- you, I mean, granted, were, we got the gra- yeah. we got the force grenade thing, yeah. so we go. I don't know, see see military porn, but I mean, I don't. I mean, that well, is. How so, many angels can you bounce on the head of a of a pen? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that 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 was a discussion you could have had earlier on if you were here, but that's okay. <laughs> Shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> Did you hear that distinctive sound? 
of my AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> it was very distinct. Yeah, it was. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with uh, the Man Cave movie. Su- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that, is <laughs> that is it with the Man Cave movie review, episode 222. Uh, I am your host, Steve Michaels, and I am signing off with my very good and dear friend, Jeff. Uh, I just pumped the neighbor's cat, Muncie. <laughs> Thank Thanks, Steve. Um, I, uh, I, I've, I've missed being on here just so I can uh, do my best to stretch this podcast out an extra 15, 20 minutes. You know what I say? Don't go, around, don't go away angry. Just go away. You've been told. Very well done. All right. And also saying farewell, adieu, and a Wiedersehen is our other good and dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. You know, when it comes to Steve running this podcast tonight, the only thing I can think of is podcasting is hell boys <laughs> it is it is especially when uh, especially when Jeff shows up <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that we wanted to have a special guest tonight and we were all excited about it we couldn't make that happen but we'll make it happen eventually. it will alright folks that's it with this uh, episode we will be back and until then chop <laughs>